Hey guys, welcome to part one of the season finale of Records Near Me. These last two episodes feature a record store that is close to home and forever in my heart, and that would be Wuxtree Records in Athens, Georgia. I've bought more records from Wuxtree than any other store I've visited, and that's probably because I spent the last four years living within walking distance of the place during my time studying at the University of Georgia. This is where I grew as a record collector, where I found a happy place during stressful times, and even where I learned how to clean a record. I will never forget how the manager, Nate, who we'll actually hear from later, gave me a complete rundown on three different ways to clean a record. I was brand new to vinyl and had so many questions, and honestly, it all seemed a little intimidating at first. It wasn't until I worked up the courage to ask a question that I realized nobody was judging me like I had imagined. They were just happy to help me learn. I mean, like in every record store, we're all there for the same reason, because we love music. And Wuxtree taught me that. It became my favorite place in Athens, no matter how much it hurt my already thin wallet. Though, whether your wallet is thick or thin, you will find something good within your budget. They have a great selection of used records of all genres, but they also carry plenty of new records too. If you're unsure of where to begin, or if you're looking to discover something unfamiliar, they have a staff pick section right up front. I check it out every time I go in because I like to read the little notes on the albums that give you a hint of what you're about to experience if you decide to take it home with you. And let me just say, the employees at Wuxtree have such a diverse taste in music, which is probably why the place is so well curated. My favorite section, though, is the local music section because Athens is a music town and so many great artists, past and present, call Athens home. And Wuxtree is there to support them, whether that be by selling their albums in the store or hanging their poster in the window. That's actually how I discovered a lot of the local concerts I would go to. Wuxtree is right in the center of Athens' music scene, and it has been since it first opened in 1976 when Dan Walls and Mark Meddy came down from Chicago with a truck full of records looking for a college town to open their record store. Georgia's warm weather is what really sold them on the location, and the first person they met was a man named Brian Cocaine, who was selling newspapers on the corner. Brian just so happened to be married to Kate Pearson, who started the B-52s that same year. She also became one of the first workers behind Wuxtree's counter. And she's not the only musician to have worked at Wuxtree over the years. Some of those people include Brian Burton, aka Danger Mouse, Mike Richmond of Love Tractor, and even Peter Buck of R.E.M., in fact, Peter Buck actually met Michael Stipe in Wuxtree. The two bonded over their shared taste in music, and in 1980, they formed R.E.M., one of the best-selling rock bands in history. And Wuxtree still employs local musicians as if it's a tradition. John Fernandez, for example, has been working there for over 20 years, and he's been in many bands, including the psychedelic pop group The Olivia Tremor Control. Also, Maxwell Mayhew, lead singer of The Asymptomatics, is currently their social media intern. I also sat down with him for an interview, but that's for the next episode. Today, we'll be hearing from Nate Mitchell, current manager of Wuxtree in the Athens location. Though I have been talking non-stop about Athens, there is a second location, and it's located in Decatur, Georgia, east of Atlanta. It opened up two years after the original, and Peter Buck actually worked there before transferring to the Athens location and meeting Michael Stipe. For those of you lost on all the names I've been throwing out, make sure to check out the supplementary playlist I made on Spotify so you can familiarize yourself with all of these great artists and also discover some of the current local bands coming out of Athens. I make one for every episode and the link is in the description. 
One more thing I should mention. If you're into comic books, don't miss Bizarro Wuxtry in the small space above the Athens store on Clayton Street, as I'm pretty sure it's the only comic book shop in town. Wuxtry is truly a great record store, and if you don't believe me, maybe you'll believe Rolling Stone, Vinyl Me Please, Business Insider, or USA Today, all of whom have declared Wuxtry Records as one of the best record stores in the United States. So make the trip out to Athens and check the place out for yourself. Stay tuned to hear from Wuxtry's current manager, Nate Mitchell, and after, I'll also tell you about some of my favorite records I've picked from Wuxtry over the years. But first, as per usual, the theme song. But this time, it's been recorded by one of my favorite bands in Athens right now, the Asymptomatics. Records near me, let's go and see What lies behind a record store's mind If you're lost, get found Take in the sound It's a place to go When you're feeling low So if you don't mind We'll share what we find I'll make a podcast So all this will last If you're lost Records right here in downtown Athens, and right now I'm sitting with the manager Nate Mitchell. Hi there, <laughs> pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you. So, can you tell me, as manager, what does that entail? What does that mean? Like, what, what's your job basically? Um, I guess just basically, uh, you know, facilitating the day-to-day -day operations of the store. Um, you know, that means customer service. Means keeping tabs on. Uh, you know, putting out product, uh, buying used stuff, uh, ordering new stuff, uh, taking special orders from customers, getting in touch with people that have ordered stuff uh, so they pick it up. Um, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, everything that, you know, kind of. Basically, you yeah. Everything. Well, I mean, it's just yeah. Everything that happens in the course of a day at the at the store is you know something that I guess I have the responsibility to make oversee and make sure it's getting done. All right. So bring me back to the first time that you ever set foot in Wall Street. When was it? What was the occasion? Uh okay. I it's uh I think 1999. Uh, okay. it was spring break time. Um, I was coming down from I lived in New Hampshire at the time and uh, my roommates uh, played in a indie rock band called the Princeton Reverbs Colonial and uh, had some connections to Athens mostly through people that they knew that were part of the Elephant Six uh, music collective so uh, they had arranged to record an album uh, here in Athens at a studio that was run by uh, Bill Doss of the Olivia Tremor Control. It was called World is Myth Studios. And uh, they came down here to, you know, they booked a week uh, at the studio to mm -hmm. make that album. And it featured a bunch of guests of people that were in various Elephant Six bands and other kind of Athens bands of the same era, uh, Masters of the Hemisphere and members of Fable Factory and, you know, a lot of different people that, you know, kind of got a little time to 
shine as uh, guest musicians, and uh, yeah, I tagged along with them, basically. Uh, I got to play a little bit of music on that album, uh, just as, a, as one of the many featured guests, and uh, wow. yeah, that was uh, spending a week in, in Athens, uh, staying with uh, a couple of the people from uh, the Masters of the Hemisphere band, and you know, basically any time that wasn't actually at the studio, I was able to uh, come downtown, and uh, yeah, uh, got to check out a bunch of the local venues uh you know did uh, my friends played a show at the 40 watt with the oh, wow. uh just happened to work out where the uh, uh one of the denver elephant six bands the minders were the headliner and i think uh the other local or the local band on the bill was the marshmallow coast if i remember right and uh my friend's band opened that show and that was my first show at the 40 watt and yeah during the day just would you know get to walk around basically uh i think i i was the one that like wanted to wake up early and kind of hit downtown and then uh was able to get over to the studio like you know they were i don't know if they had to start like at noon or one o'clock i forget what their schedule was like uh but uh i remember most of the time i had was spent kind of in the earlier part of the day and i know that yeah one of the places I dropped into was Wuxtry, and if I remember right, I think uh, what it, probably the first record that I bought was kind of an oddball choice, but I saw it, and I was just like, all right, I gotta buy this and just check it out. It was a side project of the Butthole Surfers called Daddy Longhead, and the album was called Cheetos, and it kind of had a really gross cover. And I was just like, I don't know, this looks really weird. How did you go from just a customer in 1999 to manager? And what made you decide that you, this is what you wanted to do? Uh, let's see. Well, I guess uh, I, I probably could have predicted that, you know, this would have been my career path in high school. Because, like, I, I remember last couple years of high school, like, you know, was real cl if you're real clever, you put the last uh, class as your study period so you could leave school early. And me and my friend James would do that. And then we'd you know, leave school and walk downtown. Your usual routine was you know, stop at Dunkin' Donuts, uh, you know, get coffee and a donut, uh, hang out there for a second. He would usually keep walking to his mom's office and get a ride home with her. Uh, I would then walk over to Salvation Army and just, you know, check the thrift racks, you know, check the records, see if there's anything good that popped up from the day before. I was basically doing this every day. Yeah. And then walk a couple blocks over to the, yeah, the mom and pop record store that hadn't been open that long. Uh, I think, uh, I think, let's see, this would have been around like 93 or so. And, uh, I think it had just opened around that time, this, this store called Relax Music. And, you know, this was before Napster and, you know, internet stuff had music everywhere, Spotify, all that. So, uh, their thing, they had a, like a wall of all like the new releases and all these like CD players or like Discman things that you know headphones, but there's like 20 of them, and then just every week yeah. you know new releases and they, so I became you know the record store nuisance that uh, certainly spent a lot more time listening to CDs than actually buying stuff. Most of the stuff I bought there was like the budget cassettes that were like a dollar, um, but I actually found pretty good stuff uh, a lot of times. Uh, a lot of people are getting rid of their like punk rock and alternative music cassettes and you know they were selling them cheap so I, anything that basically looked sounded like a cool band name or interesting cover art you know i would i would take a chance on it for a dollar 
Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then keeping up with, like, you know, new stuff, like, every week, even though, I mean, I think that, you know, it's such a regular presence, I would always kind of, like, ask, like, you know, you need anyone to sweep the floor or anything <laughs> like that? He's like, it was one guy that ran the place. He didn't have any employees. His name was Rick. Yeah. And he's like, oh, man, I wish I could afford that. But, you know, it's just me. And, you know, it wasn't like the store was slammed busy. It was, like, yeah. upstairs from, like, a music store that had been around since probably the 1930s or something. So mm-hmm. he opened up in the upstairs. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they had used CDs, used records, some new records. I mean, at that time, you know, there wasn't really that much vinyl being made brand new. So he was mostly a used store. But, but yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I just just really liked being there i just liked being able to hear new music and then you know a few years later you know i got involved with college radio uh and uh yeah it's just i don't know i guess kind of grew up in a culturally isolated place and like as soon as like kind of had that you know exposure to college radio and true like indie alternative underground music i mean yeah it just kind of just totally went down that path and you know basically the more oddball stuff uh, the better um and uh yeah i i don't know i guess it was it was a little you know as far as first time visiting Wuxtree versus you know becoming manager uh that uh, was a long time you know long gap in between there and uh um you know, I'd lived in like some small towns in New Hampshire, but you know, if there was a record store, there was generally never any openings or anything. I did apply at every place that I lived that had like the little mom and pop place, uh, and I didn't live in a big city, so there was no like Tower Records or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I guess as far as kind of why pick Athens uh yeah part of it did have to do with uh playing in a band uh called Cars Can Be Blues like kind of a indie pop sort of thing and uh the you know just like my friends that had booked you know studio time in Athens I don't know I put it put in my head that like oh I guess that's just what you do because there really weren't any like recording studios where I lived so uh, we did the same thing and I think it was 2004 uh, booked studio time with Jason Neesmith because uh, he had recorded some bands that we liked from Athens and I don't know at the time it was just like that was you know it's like the Elephant Six stuff and the indie pop stuff was like what I was listening to the most and kind of really appreciated what was going on with that scene uh, the Kindercore record label before it was a pressing plant uh, was just putting out great stuff like great albums all in the you know late 90s early 2000s so uh yeah we kind of figured like all right you know this is a town that really knows indie pop stuff and uh yeah um when we're down here recording we played a show at the caledonia that's where i met mike turner who was uh, you know had just recently moved to athens and became you know was hired as manager of the store Mm -hmm. and you know he agreed to put out our stuff on his label it didn't actually come out until 2005 Mm -hmm. um we did a cross-country tour that you know went pretty badly uh (laughs) in the sense that we had this little school bus that was converted to run on waste vegetable oil and it broke down like all over the country and so so we figured like like 
this thing, like the bus was just like, it was just like hanging in by a thread and we just figured like, all right, Athens, we'll like kind of stop there and like, we know enough people, we could get jobs, we can just kind of save up some money to get back up north uh, to uh, New England. And that never happened. We ended up (laughs) staying permanently. In the south. And uh, yeah, so uh, I, you know, I worked in restaurants and you know had other you know just regular jobs that didn't have anything to do with music or anything you know d- yeah. delivering auto parts and just you know other kind of temp stuff and uh, yeah I mean it was like somebody had left uh, worked here for a while um, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, they had like you know, I think it was Saturday night, uh, they needed someone, uh, they just were short, and, uh, you know, I, I had been coming in here, like, for five years at that point, and, like, you know, I had already had familiarity with Dan Wall, the owner, and, uh, I mean, I was already a very regular presence in the store, and yeah. finally got put on to, you know, officially you know, start working for a one day a week shift and that turned into wow. two days a week. And then, you know, a nice. f- couple of years later, it was, uh, um, you know, four days a week. And, you know, and then, uh, 2018, uh, yeah, uh, Mike left and I, uh, I took over as a uh, store manager. Wow. So. That's such a, that's an awesome story of how you got here. <laughs> yeah. So who typically comes in this store? Is it a lot of college students um, or tourists? Yeah, um, kind of both. Uh, I feel like our store, since maybe it's just the kind of location of it, is right near you know the, the campus. Uh, you know, you just yeah, kind of like the you know you got the the arches. It's like the beginning of mm-hmm. the UGA campus, and I mean we can basically you know it's within visible distance from uh, the front of the store. So yeah, uh, yeah I, I'd say the UGA students are definitely the. Uh, you know, the tried and true, uh, you know, just most reliable, you know, demographic of who shops here. But yeah, we do get a lot of tourists, a lot of people that are big REM fans from all over the world oh, yeah. will visit this store and they, you know, they want to, you know, just ask some questions about, you know, Peter Buck working here, which is fine. And yeah. I'm always impressed <laughs> at how, uh, you know, someone from like Columbia or, you know, I don't know, just ends yeah. of the earth, you know, just... Uh, right, exactly. Yeah, said, awesome. Such a beloved band, like yeah. all across the world, uh, and you know, you get people from all different countries that that drop in here, and and they they really know. I mean, they know like the band's history and back catalog, uh, so even cool. if they like barely speak English. Um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Have you ever been starstruck by somebody that's come in the store? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple people. I'd say probably the one of the most like I don't know. Like, I was just like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm talking to this person. Uh, <laughs> is uh, probably when uh, we got a visit from DJ Shadow, and I'm a big yeah. fan, and like I definitely know like you know, he's <laughs> the guy that is looking for obscure stuff to sample, and it's yeah. like, wow, if he finds the right album here, it could be a <laughs> new you know track on one of his things and i was like almost like i don't know i'd love to be the one that you know (laughs) that's like you know that song by dj shoto it's like yeah he found that sample in our store you know it's just i don't know i was just thinking and yeah and there was a couple things he asked uh to you know if we could put on just wanted to check out and uh yeah um he you know he bought decent stack of stuff and yeah. he's quiet he's polite <laughs> um you know definitely a kind of introvert type guy but uh 
Um, that was one. Um, I guess some of the kind of, as far as, not so much starstruck, but just like really good uh, just interactions with people that, you know, notable yeah. musicians. Uh, yeah, I, I, I had a half hour conversation with... You know, this guy had long hair and a big gray beard, and you're just talking about all these like psychedelic and kraut rock bands and stuff for like 30 minutes, and then I realized it's Chris Robinson from the Black Crows. I had, oh I did not know that he'd grown like this big <laughs> woolly beard, wow. and I don't know, I didn't even realize like who was playing at the Georgia <laughs> Theater that night, which was the Chris Robinson Brotherhood. It wasn't the Black Crows, but yeah. I was just like, I mean, that guy, that guy's cool. Chris Robinson, you're a cool dude, and you bought uh, a bunch of good stuff. So. Awesome. Um, uh, another good interaction, uh, DJ for Black Alicious, who, off the top of my head, I can't think of the DJ name, unfortunately, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, try to dub that in later if you can. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he was another one, and you know, instead of asking like where the soul and R&B section was, it comes in and just like, first thing he asks is like, where's your psychedelic rock? Like, you know, all stuff for like international psychedelic bands. I was like, uh, okay, right, right over here. And then next thing <laughs> I know, we're talking for like an hour and a half, and and he put me on the guest list for their show, which was at Melting Point. And great show, great guy. So thank you, DJ from Black Alicious. <laughs> Interactions like that are definitely, uh, I guess, a perk of the job. Yeah, that is a really good perk. That's awesome. So the next thing I want to hear about is the employee pick section. Oh, yeah. So um, yeah, it, has like, that yeah. always been there? Yeah, yeah. Um, yep, uh, it has. And... Uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and it's again kind of indicates like you know yeah. what the employee's taste is, and mm-hmm. you know, and I think we get people that you know if their taste is similar to certain employees, yeah. like there's people who come in here and they'll flip through John's stuff, and you know, basically that's like if he's given something his blessing, so to speak, then you know, it's like indicates it. that it's it's worth checking out. Yeah, uh, I feel like. You know, we do a good job. Different yeah. people focus on different stuff. I think John is kind of more into the avant-garde and esoteric jazz and ambient music, uh, world music. He orders most yeah. of the uh, international stuff that we carry. Um, you know, I feel like my taste is kind of stuff that's definitely unusual or, you know, hard to categorize or, yeah. you know, it's just... Uh, I don't know. It's kind of all over the place, and uh, I feel like Jarrett's a little more consistent where it's a lot of, uh, you know, metal and post-hardcore and kind of classic 90s kind of aggro guitar type stuff. I like that you guys all have a different taste in music. Yeah. If everyone had the exact same taste, yeah, I feel like it wouldn't be as interesting of a store. (laughs) And there's kind of people that are a little bit more behind the scenes that Mm kind of help out with suggestions. Uh, um, There's... Someone, you know, a guy named Bart uh, that mm-hmm. maintains our classical music section, oh, and cool. uh, that's kind of his forte. So it's like one section that's just handled by someone that's kind of otherwise totally separate from the other employees. Uh, he used to be a full-time employee back in mm-hmm. the '90s at Wuxtry, and now works at the full-time at the UGA library. Oh, and uh, so he kind of has that very neat and organized librarian mentality. Yeah. So I feel like our <laughs> Classical section is the best organized section in the whole store. So. <laughs> wow, that's good to know. <laughs> um, all right, well, one of my favorite parts about Luxury is the welcoming and comforting environment. Right. Um, 
in your opinion, what makes Wuxtree so unique compared to other record stores or even other record vendors? Um, I guess uh, I'd say one thing, uh, maybe a location, uh, the fact that the store has been in the same place for 45 years. I mean, we now have like three generations of people that have shopped here. Uh, I think just its kind of reputation and longevity. We have always offered uh, uh, consignment for local bands and, you know, mm -hmm. we try to offer up the window uh, if, you know, if someone wants to drop off a big poster or banner. Yeah. Uh, we're happy to uh, help promote new local music uh, mm -hmm. so I think that's one of the things that you know just kind of stay connected to the community so uh, yeah I mean I guess you know I'd say the thing that probably mostly distinguishes Wuxtry is like the reputation I mean yeah. it's like a store that like kind of started at exactly the time when the Athens music scene started so I think that's always going to be kind of its legacy yeah. All right. Well, I have one more question for you before um, we end this. So, what is a musician or group that you wish more people knew about? Um. Yeah. I I was thinking about different ways to answer this. Mm -hmm. uh, uh. I really feel like you know my employee picks box is stuff that yeah. I feel like most people probably you know don't have too much familiarity with either because it's you know older stuff that's kind of more obscure and fell through the cracks or it's new stuff that just hasn't been exposed you know just came out recently yeah. so uh i mean as far as like a band that you know i had a roommate that you know introduced me to them and it was you know I, as far as like like the epitome of like punk rock uh stuff uh you know, you'd think like, you know, oh, Sex Pistols and Ramones and Clash and stuff like that. It's like, nope, there was a band that was like way beyond that. And, you know, that was like all like 1977 era. Uh, you know, let's, let's backtrack to five years previously to Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, the band The Electric Eels uh, that basically recorded a bunch of like, you know, just basement demos and uh you know this is early 70s like yeah 1972 I, you know i think uh, a lot of the best stuff they recorded was like 1975 and that was around the time that the band just broke up and all the stuff that was recorded just like sat around and then i think in 1978 actually got revealed to the public because punk rock had happened and it's like <laughs> um yeah, it's like there's this band from Cleveland that was doing this like yeah. years ago, and uh, I mean, the more you read about their backstory, I mean, it's kind of like the ultimate like uh, kind of I don't know like music nerd obscurity thing. It's like it's still at the point where it's like you gotta hear it by word of mouth, but um, it's just guys that really just just didn't care. I mean, it's like the most pure like kind of nihilism uh in in both of the way they interacted with each other and the music itself i mean you could call them the original anti-everything band but made these abrasive songs but they have hooks that are just so catchy lyrics that i still it's just like i mean at least, you know, if you thought like Johnny Rotten and you know Sex Pistols was like as snotty as uh, <laughs> as punk rock got, I mean, listen to Electric Eels. I mean, there's stuff. It it just it blows me away, like how far ahead of the game they were, and how, I mean, it's like 
punk beyond punk before punk if that makes any sense there's a band screamers that uh, were kind of like you know part of that first wave of uh of la punk but instead of doing it with guitars uh they were like uh it was like live drums and two keyboard players one of which was synthesizer the other one was kind of more like a organ um but as aggressive as uh, a lot of the you know i'd say this was a band that actually was a little bit ahead of the curve where i think they heard the sex pistols and then it was like yeah that's what we want to do you know you got like a maniac like escarita it's like you know if you think little richard is wild though well, this is a guy that <laughs> was probably twice as nuts as uh, as little richard you know doing the same thing you know i think if anything some people say that little richard might have taken more than a bit of influence from escarita um you know had huge hair and sunglasses <laughs> and was just crazy wild man on yeah. you know piano based rock and roll if you really like gritty gutsy soul music then check out lee moses we got Ngozi family, and that's N-G-O-Z-I, and uh, just great stuff. I mean, very primitive and kind of like a Black Sabbath type sound. Like just you know, it's aggressive hard rock, but sung by African guys in the 70s uh, <laughs> in Zambia. And uh, yeah, you got uh, some kind of Italian synthwave stuff from the early 80s by Tiziano Papoli, a um, band from the Oakland, California era that really fit more in with the kind of early 90s grunge sound, uh, a band called Monoshock that, uh, I mean, if you like the Stooges or Mudhoney or, you know, some, some of the original 60s kind of, you know, heavy rock stuff but you know this was a band that was doing it in the late 80s early 90s and it's pretty wild stuff it's also got some psychedelic tinge to it so yeah overlooked band but really good stuff if you're into that kind of music uh as far as some of the newer bands mood tag and that's spelled t-a-e-g i hope i'm pronouncing it right <laughs> but uh they uh, kind of do a little pastiche of sounding like all this old German stuff uh, from the early mid-70s. Uh, you know, bands like Kraftwerk and Can and Neu. Um, I mean, they're a modern band, but mm -hmm. that's the influences that they're drawing from. And it's kind of like all that yeah. stuff from that was happening in Germany in the early 70s kind of infused into one band that's in the modern era. Public Memory, the album Ripped Apparition was something I heard and liked. It's kind of a collaboration, two different people, basically live drums and electronics, uh, Coma World and... Yeah, um, some of it kind of sounds like could be like sort of darker instrumental hip hop stuff, and then other stuff sounds more like almost like a horror movie kind of vibe. So yeah, I don't know. Always been trying to listen to new sounds and you know stuff that is interesting gets uh, ordered, and a lot of times it's just one or two copies that we get for stuff like that, and just kind of trying to hope that people get as interested in it as i got but i mean that's just the stuff that i've been listening to again everyone that works here kind of has their own little niche but these are the kind of things that i like to champion that i really feel like you know <laughs> probably aren't going to get on the radio and um uh actually if i can shout out one more thing another band i've been listening to a lot it's called freak heat waves and uh from 
Canada, and they had an album recently uh, called Zap the World. And uh, yeah, if you want something that's pretty trippy, check out the YouTube videos, the the music videos they've made for the songs from that album, and then the one that preceded the album that preceded it. Uh, Really, really good and kind of bizarre, and (laughs) kind of puts you in a weird frame of mind. Um, All right, thank you very much for uh, for having me on. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, it's only part one of the season finale. Next episode will feature an interview with Maxwell Mayhew, social media intern for Wuck Street and lead singer of the Asymptomatics, who were so kind as to record my theme song for me, which you heard earlier. Now, as promised, I'm going to tell you about my five favorite albums that I've bought from Wuck Street. The first one is the Tapestry album by Carole King, and that's just because it's one of my favorite albums. The next one is Moonlight Sinatra, which is a compilation album of Frank Sinatra singing songs about the moon. I just love the concept. The next one is This Time Around by a local Athens band called Check the Signs. Funny story, I was actually in Wuxtry with a friend. I was looking through the local band's section. I had this in my hand and my friend looked over my shoulder and said, Hey, my friend's in that band. So I immediately bought it, and later saw them at AthFest and got to meet them. They're really cool. The next one is You Don't Mess Around With Jim by Jim Croce. Now this one is obviously a classic. It's also one of my most played albums, and it's kind of a funny story how I bought it. So I was watching Stranger Things, and there's a scene where Chief Jim Hopper and Eleven are cleaning out his cabin, and he pulls out this album, and he puts it on the turntable. And I had already wanted the album, but watching this scene made me want it even more. So I literally paused the show and I walked to Wuck Street and I bought it. And I have no regrets. The last album I'm going to talk about is Soft Focus by Hotel Fiction, which is another local Athens band that I highly recommend you check out. I discovered them at AthFest, which is a music festival that happens every summer in Athens. All of my friends agree that they were the best band that we saw. And as soon as I saw that they were selling their album at Wuck Street, I had to make the trip out to go get it. So once again, thank you guys for listening. Make sure you like or follow Records Near Me on your favorite listening platform to stay updated. As we're approaching the end of the year, we're also approaching the end of season one of Records Near Me. So make sure to stay tuned for the final episode. Until next time. And for those of you wondering how an amateur like me can randomly decide to make a podcast, I've been using Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere. And it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Best of all, though, Anchor is totally free. So if you want to make a podcast like me, just download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.